Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one best-selling award-winning book, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Mission, and Create a Life of Joy. And if you happen to be a highly sensitive person, someone who I call a sensitive soul, I'd love to give you my Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide, the three ways of navigating your way to more peace, positivity, and personal power. And you can get that free at sensitivesoulguide.com. And uh, we'd like to bring you people uh, on the podcast who have really um, made it their journey to help other people and often have gone through whatever they're talking about themselves. And um, it's really, really helpful for all these resources, especially right now, because the world is going through so much, so, so much uh, since, you know, 2020 and 2021. And we need as much help and support as we can get. So, you know, um, although I do, you know, the Topican Healing Method and the Academy of Light Medicine, um, it, I think that it's so awesome that people all over the world are stepping in to their gifts and sharing their gifts with people um, so that not, I mean, not everyone's going to resonate with my work all of the time. Uh, and other people are different stages of their journey. So I think it's really important for me to bring you resources and amazing people doing amazing work out there um, so that you can feel in to whether or not this is a good fit for you right now in this time. And today I'm super excited because Dr. Lynn Morell is with me today, and we're going to be talking about trauma as a spiritual path to awakening. And I, I, I don't think there could be a better title than that because uh, right now, especially, and, and just you know, in the past, I worked with so many people in so many different walks of life, so many different age groups around the world. And um, I, I can truthfully say that there's very few that have not experienced trauma. <laughs> and that's the one thing that I have found that when I used to do, you know, these one-on-one counseling patients, you know, in the office, is that we would use whatever they went through as part of their path to what, you know, what we're talking about, awakening, to, to growing, to learning, and, and then they're reframing what they're going through through or have gone through as not necessarily the be-all and end-all of who they are, but who they become going to the other side. And so this is a really, really important topic. I'm super excited that uh, Dr. Lynn is here with me today. And let me tell you a little bit about her uh, before I bring her on formally. Um, She has a fifth degree black belt, so don't mess with her. She's nationally ranked karate champion, minister, multiple trauma survivor, visionary entrepreneur, and author. This is a few words to describe her. And, um, you know, her search for self-awareness and the desire to overcome the impact of trauma took her on the heroine's journey to find something that would free her from her past. And um, that search led her to studying with John Roger, who taught her to forgive the unforgivable and the value of gratitude and acceptance. And years later, um, she met uh, Barry Morgellon, MD, and a grandmaster in a 5,000-year-old Chinese art. Looking forward to hearing more about that. The energy for success practices, the Dr. B, as he's called, has expanded her awareness of the source energy that informs all of life. For more than three decades, she successfully worked with those looking to gain inner awareness and rise above trauma. She has recently appeared in uh, the docu-series Trauma and will be teaching a master class through WholeTV.com. And she shares with us that, uh, you know, trauma is the leading cause of death in individuals under 45, that five out of every 10 women have suffered trauma leading to post-traumatic stress. Uh, 50% of all women have at least one traumatic event, frequently sexual abuse or childhood sexual abuse. Uh, Symptoms of trauma include emotional numbness, flashbacks, feeling isolated, separated, hopeless, and helpless. 
adverse childhood experiences, um, that study confirmed that children suffering trauma are likely or more likely to have unhealthy coping behaviors. Uh, and I know from my practice I've seen a lot of people delve into um, distractions and think, uh, you know, what we call um, addictions uh, because they're just trying to get away from that pain. So I totally see that. Um, and the more trauma, the, the greater the chance of mental illness. And I know I am not alone in this, but some people may criticize me for this, but I really feel that some of those ways that we're treating children right now in the COVID pandemic is traumatic, and um, I'm not for it. Um, I'm for other things. <laughs> so like I said, i you know gotten some flack for that, but it's just, you know, everyone has their opinion. So I think it's really important to have, you know, the bigger picture to see how we can transmute this pain into positive emotions. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the six emotional strengths that can help you transform your life, your health, your relationships with yourself and others. So this is really, really awesome. Dr. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you. It is such a pleasure to be here, Dr. Khan. I, I just um, am so looking forward to this because you and I are truly on the same wavelength. <laughs> That's great. Well, I probably... Um, you know, I'm a student of Wing Chun, which is a Chinese martial art. Um, had uh, mm-hmm. not not really gotten too much into karate uh, before. Um, probably don't want to be in a fight with you, though. You're a fifth-degree black belt. <laughs> uh, learning uh, little by little. And uh, actually, tell us a little bit before we kind of delve into our topic. Um, I'm curious, and, uh, you know, maybe you can give us some more details of, of your journey, because obviously you're, you know, an expert in this trauma area, having gone through it. Is the, the fifth degree black belt thing a result of you feeling like to stand up for myself and I'm going to train in this, or was it just kind of, you know, coincidental? <laughs> I, I, would, I would call it <clears throat> the divine inaction. I was a chubby 15-year-old kid, loved books. Uh, very introverted, never spoke up, and my younger sister wanted to take judo lessons. So my sister-in-law bowed out. I was the designated chaperone for my, you know, 13-and-a-half-year-old sister. She quit three months later. I discovered that I had a talent for this, call it other lifetime, who knows, but I was like a duck to water. And when she quit, my parents said, well, you don't need to go. So it was up to me as a 15-year-old to beg, borrow, or steal rides. I washed floors. I ironed clothes for my brother and his wife to raise the $35 a month to continue. And from judo, I discovered that nobody could mess with me because there was a lot of trauma in my life. And so uh, emotionally, I was never really safe. But physically, I, I did really well. And then I met my first husband, who was the karate teacher at that school, and I started something, an Okinawan style called the Ichiru. From there, I branched to the Korean karate, which is Taekwondo. That's where my, my ranking is. But I've also, I have a black belt in Aikido. I studied at the University of Beijing in Taipei. And really, Tai Chi, martial arts, Qigong have become such a part of me that when the negativity comes in, I call it the barking dogs, um, I have ways to transmute that into being aware of my body because my body doesn't lie. And so I learned at an early level the sensitivities that you talk about in your book. And if I was afraid, I would drop into my center. 
And in my mind's eye, I would put on my black belt if I was going into a situation that made me afraid, emotionally or any other way, job interview. That was a serendipitous kind of um, launching that would eventually help me overcome trauma. You know, I discovered I was good at something. That's really amazing how that, how, you know, how that, you know, occurred with your sister and you and then you discovering you have these, these gifts and talents for this kind of thing. And I think that uh, what you were talking about being in the body, being fully embodied, as I like to say, is so uh, important and, and transformational, really. And uh, so I think that, that that practice that you have, um, the martial arts, is really, you know, kind of neatly and beautifully enfolded in your life to, to you know, keep you going. Um, so thank you. Thank you for that, sharing that. You're welcome. I think it kept me sane, to be perfectly honest. I ran away from home at 17 because of, of the threat to my life. You know, my mom was not well mentally. My dad hit the sauce a little bit too much. He was an alcoholic, a working alcoholic. But internally, because of the things going on, um, I knew I needed to leave. It was in a gut sense. So I ran away to become a rent payer for my future in-laws. I paid rent to, to stay with them. And, and I continued the martial arts. But the one thing you said about being present in your body, traumatized people don't want to be home in their body. I didn't want to be home in my body. And so my body, you know, it became the storage unit for everything that I couldn't say, that I couldn't, that, that I couldn't even verbalize. And so those traumatic memories um, became physical challenges that I had. So the body, Kivander Kulp, um, who wrote an amazing book um, uh, about traumatic stress, he would say an individual's body expresses <clears throat> what can't be said or verbalized. And so the traumatic memories are transferred into those physical outcomes. That came out in many, many ways in my life. From the time I was little, I was diagnosed with either, you know, um, they called it mono back then, fibromyalgia, arthritis, you know, all sorts of health challenges. I would say my prenatal C, which is while I was in utero, was somewhat lacking. But the uh-huh. martial arts gave me a corner, it's like where I could plant my my post in the earth and say, I have something that I can do. And that was the launching of my journey, running away, having the martial arts, having a judo teacher who was a surrogate dad. And he didn't laugh at me when I said I wanted, he goes, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, I want to teach martial arts and teach people how to be safe, you know, safe emotionally, physically, mentally. Now I was 17 at that time. Wow. But that, that journey has propelled me for almost 56 years. I still practice. Um, I don't practice as much as I did because of some, some body issues. I'm still clearing out trauma. And yet, transmuting pain into positive emotions is what my journey did for me. That is so beautiful. I, there's so many people who identify with that or at least understand now that whatever trauma they went through, their emotional reaction to it, sometimes it's when they're we're really, really young, gets stored in the, the body and the cells and the energetic pattern in our bodies. And then we wonder why later on, you know, we're, you know, 30 pounds overweight or we've got chronic arthritis. And, you know, people will say, oh, it's age. But that's like a belief. <laughs> and we, we have technology <laughs> now to even true. reverse 
some of that, right? So what keeps us, quote-unquote, aging is, you know, that that stored stuff and and not being able to process it. So, yeah, yeah, this is very, very, very important. So true. Oh, my gosh. It's so nice to be preaching with the choir, you know, because I've been (laughs) attempting to share this with people for, I've been doing trauma work for almost 40 years now. And the, the thing that I see that also science has proven is that, you know, when your health is affected, just what you said, you know, you eat a little bit much, you have a little bit risky sex because you want to kill the pain, you smoke, you shop. And, and all of that sometimes comes from the childhood trauma because what it does is it affects the developing brain and body of a child and it deregulates your stress response. So we're trying to find external ways to cope with this trauma and up until recently people looked at you and and they would just not know what to do oh it's all in your head and yet that all in your head is actually the wisdom is in us so if i can tell you a quick story i i um about the time i ran away just before graduation from high school actually um, I started having incredible pains in my right side underneath the rib cage. And um, my mom, we'd been in an accident. I got rear-ended. I had this pain. Everybody told my mother it was just teenage angst. Now, mind you, I was okay. too mad um, <laughs> when in high school. I, I loved all things, you know, about the body. And so I started a jaundice. The attacks that I became a detective happened every Thursday night and sometimes Tuesday and Thursday night. And I was in advanced bio in high school, and I went, we were studying the gallbladder. And I put two and two together. It's not rocket science, huh? Thursday night, stop at the pharmacist, who was a judo buddy of mine, buy a pack of almond, you know, M&Ms, eat them, come home after judo, and be curled up in pain. And so I diagnosed my own gallstone. And then my mom was unfortunately in, a, in a, an asylum at the time being treated for a breakdown. So I called her doctor and left a message with the message machine and said, I'm having gall, a gallbladder attack. I'd like to come in to see the doctor tomorrow because I wasn't going to go to my pediatrician. So anyway, I did go in. They kind of laughed at me. He goes, why are you here? I said, because I have gallstones. And he palpitated. And he goes, oh, my Lord, you're a 17-year-old woman. What is this? He did two sets of x-rays because he couldn't believe his eyes. I had my gallbladder removed the day after graduation from high school. That was the beginning of my wonder about the body. Now, I didn't remember a lot of my traumas. That's the irony. We compartmentalize the things we can't cope with. And so the, the key and the awareness of trauma as a spiritual journey comes when we get curious about, hmm, why is it on every first day of whatever school was when you were a kid, you get sick with the flu? And it, it goes all through <laughs> high school, all through drama school. This is a true story. And this woman finally, her mom had me sit with her, and we just looked back in time. So what was something that happened to you? And this was like in first grade. And she said, my best friend was pulling away from the driveway, and I always, you know, we always went, went together. And and she waved out the back window, and it's the last time I ever saw her. So every year when school would, quote, start, no matter whether she was an adult or a kid, she got sick. And when we identified that childhood trauma, which may not seem big to a grown-up, but when it's a little girl and it's your best friend and that 
that's taken from you with no explanation, there's going to be a lot of grief. And every year, cyclically, it was triggered. And and that's, wow. it's, it's that simple. And if I can uh-huh. share something that's even more bizarre, um, Romper Room was a TV show that was taken off the air in, I think, maybe 54. And really I that just old? worked with a client. <laughs> yeah, really. I'm okay. older than that. <laughs> and anyway, so the, the beauty of this for the client was that maybe it was, yeah, I think it was 54. I'm not sure. Anyway, in that area, because it was the homegrown thing where kids learn skills, and this this young man that I'm working with now has a numbness that he's had through his entire life. A numbness is a sign of, of trauma. And so we, we got really curious about it. I said, well, when did this numbness start? Because I was really little. I said, how little? I was about four. I said, really? Four would make what year? And so we, we look at the year, and I said, if you go inside to the wisdom keeper, the, you know, the soul itself, um, the being that knows all things, I said, what could it have been? And he goes, romper room. I said, romper room. I said, let me look up romper moon and see, room and see what happened in 1954 or whatever that date was. And it was, the show was canceled. And this show had been this little boy's friends, you know, his everything that he could relate to in a chaotic household was and, and, and helped him get through that went away. And right. so when we did the process of clearing it, he pretty much choked and could barely talk about it, but by the end of the releasing process he had a sense of, of calmness and energy. And something as minute to an adult as, as losing romper room, you know, or your favorite show or Star Trek gets canceled, uh, sure, you may grieve, but this, this little boy held it, you know, permanently etched in his amygdala. Oh, dear Lord. We have an amber alert. Sorry about that. And light and, and blessings to whatever that was because my phone is basically off except for, for this. So those kinds of things which seem small when you're a grown-up and they're totally out of your mind, are so present. And so the the joy in the journey is to look at with great fascination, what is it that makes me tick? And that's how I got on my pathway. You know, why is it in the early days of my martial arts training, one thing after another would conspire that I would come in second rather than first in the tournament? I was the third-ranked fighter in the U.S. back in the day. Um, Ah, And yes. You know, I, uh, it was amazing. And, you know, my coach took me off training because I was overtired. And I practiced in my head the whole time until we went to Ohio oh, for the national. Yes, that's how you do it. And I barred, a so gig, I barred a black belt. I slid into line. I won, like, a whole bunch of fights. And there was one where I picked the woman up, and, and she flew out of bounds, not hurting her. But they ruled that she backed out. It's like things like that. That was all trauma-related. I couldn't be visible. I couldn't be number one because it was never safe. And we come up with these things and we wonder why. We're always passed over for promotion or why we attract certain people in our life. So when I started to view life as my spiritual journey, it became a mystery. It was a paradox. How could I still love and have that stuff happen to me? How could I go on to be a karate master 
I don't call myself that, have mastery, let's say, um, because all I did was show up to class. So I think the key for our listeners here is to recognize that right now our entire world is in change and therefore trauma. You know, how we, how we identify what's happening to us can make it traumatic or it can make us curious. And most right. of curious us is one of my favorite feel. words. <laughs> yep, and, and and your book is fantastic. I mean, I didn't read the whole oh, thing, but I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. I have my version <laughs> of what you do, and it's it's so refreshing to know that there are people out there in the world. It, it shouldn't be called PTSD. It's not a disorder. It's a it's a, a physical natural response to things that 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 we can't put our feet under. We can't, you know, we don't know what to do with it. And so they, they, they label it a disorder. And yet I've been working with trauma for years and every person responds when they find out that inside of them, they're so resilient. And this was absolutely an opportunity for them to shine. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I, you know, I listening to some of the stories that you had. My, I remember my mother used to say um, that my brother that he would always be sick the day of the first day of school, and uh, we just mm. figured he was really stressed out or something like that, and and he would vomit, you know, and it would prevent him from going to mm-hmm. school. Um, and uh, to this day, I'm really not quite sure <laughs> what that was about. Um, but, uh, you know, he did have some disabilities. And so there, uh, and I know I went through bullying growing up, so he might have gone through the same thing to some degree. I think my sister rescued us. <laughs> she's six years younger. But she's, yeah. she's like a, a big, uh, she, we used to call, you know, she used to be called the loudmouth because she, she would just, you know, put up her dukes and go, okay, let's go, you know, like to, protecting her older brother <laughs> and sister. It. She's pretty awesome that way. Um, and then and then some of the other traumas, you, you know, you mentioned uh, about how that can affect us even financially. Um, Although, you know, I, I did not think of it as a trauma per se, but I remember every time I would get a gift of money, say, from family, uh, there was something that would break mm-hmm. down that I would have to spend it on. Like, my, you know, there'd be, you know, the car would break down or the septic would break down or, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, water, the second water heater would break down. And then after about the third one, I'm like, okay, wait, 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 okay. This is not coincidental. Okay, I get gifted money and then something has to break down. So I get to spend it and not on, you know, stuff that, like, I'd like to spend it on, you know. And uh, so when I was doing my healing work, I actually discovered that I had this um, this uh, trauma energy of uh, non-deserving. And uh, yep. from my childhood, yeah, my childhood, what happened with my grandmother on my mom's side, um, I was like the favorite child um, as the eldest, was very well behaved and very kind and compassionate, that sense of the soul self, you know, I could feel what other people needed before they knew it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, yep. uh, you know, she said, basically, you're my favorite. And, you know, Chinese, you always give jewelry away to the girls. That was the tradition. So she'd, you know, have all this jewelry out. And then she would say, you get to pick first because you're, you're the eldest and you're the favorite. And I started feeling really guilty about that. 
you know, because mm-hmm. my six years yep. younger sister didn't get to go first. And I felt just so horribly guilty and didn't really realize that, you know, that I had kind of stored that uh, until the adulthood. And then so that non-deserving would rear its ugly head and cause me literally to have real manifested reasons to get rid of the money if somebody gave it to me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I had something similar in grad school when I was getting my master's. Um, at that point in time, this is back a long time ago, they were still handing out Christmas presents. Like the readers of our papers got together and they gave each of us a little token that was symbolic of what we were doing. And oh. they gave me a clear little purse with with chocolate you know, covered gold coins or, you know, chocolate on, underneath the coins. Right. And I was in with my pod. And the first thing I did was I opened my little, my little purse and I gave one to everybody. And I think I had one left for me. And uh-huh. one of the, the very astute fellow students said, do you realize you just gave away all your treasure? You just gave away everything that was gifted to you without even appreciating it. And I think we're along that same kind of a line. I didn't feel worthy to have anything good. So my worth came, and this is out of trauma, by being a people pleaser. I was yep. super hypervigilant. You know, I had to read situations before they happened. Um, uh, victim consciousness was certainly part of my, of my milieu, you know, because in, in a sense I was a victim as a child. And then um, as, I, as I matured, then my, husband, my second husband died in a plane crash. My first husband became bipolar and violent. You know, oh. I married again to an incredible human being. He died of a hospital error. And so I've experienced loss and feelings of powerlessness. Um, and each loss that I had, because, you know, the amygdala, the fight-flight response, it's like the eternal now. So all those traumas would keep coming with me. up until I I found a way to clear them and and change the neurological structure of the brain, I would be recycling the same thing. Like you recycled challenges with with, um, keeping your money. Mine were challenges with having people not die or go away. And so that became an internal belief system which kept me not wanting to be around people. And thank God it's gone now. And, And... but it took a lot of work because of the experience of the trauma. I became really a monk. I spent most of my time in spiritual practices, and then I would work with clients. And, and you know, I, I didn't really visit or get on an emotional level close with people. I had that emotional atta- detachment that comes from trauma. And wow. so the curiosity again, like, wow, this is like deja vu over and over and over again. And my mom always used to say, you're going to be the single one and the businesswoman. And so oh, that boy. self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy was put in me from the time I was a little girl. And, and there, there you have it. And I didn't really live with my parents because my mom uh, was neglecting me as an infant. So I, I grew up until I was five with a grandmother, aunt and uncle. And I was not my favorite for my grandma because she resented having to take care of a child six months old when I went to live with them. So there was a lot of unconscious, like, sit on the couch with your hands folded, you know, while she watched as the world turns. And I could never pull the weeds. Now, mind you, I'm a little kid. What kid gets all the weeds pulled? So there was perfectionism. And these things actually (laughs) became my strength, you know. They, They actually became my strength. 
as I turn them from the negative into a positive meaning. And that's where the creative expressions and the trauma relief really comes from. It's oh, incredible. And if I can, yeah, it's, it's remarkable. And um, we're going to talk one a little thing bit that, more yeah, about, how, you know, in some ways how, how we do that. But I just wanted to make a comment that, you know, uh, we have some, you know, moms and grandmas and aunts and uncles, you know, on, on the line and, um, given everything that's going on in the world and whatever happened to them traumatic of childhood, they're so afraid of passing it down, you know, inherited exactly. uh, traumas. And it's possible. So, and you know, in my work, we, we know it's possible. So, you know, then they're feeling like, how do I not traumatize my kid? <laughs> you know, I tried my best, but I'm a mess. Like, how do I not traumatize my kid? So maybe they, they would love to hear some, you know, inspiration or positive advice. I would, I would be delighted. I'm one of those mothers. I never wanted to have a child. My first husband, my childhood sweetheart. Uh, I was married a total of about 17 years we were together. I did not want to have a child because I didn't want to pass on to her or him what I lived through with my mom. I was not a bad person. She just wasn't present. And her trauma, the compassion I had for her when I dug into my generational. So I actually did a geneogram on my family. And my experience of 40 years of doing this stuff, even before Vetna's book came out that said that traumas are passed on the, the, on the, on the RNA, is that um, the, when I traced, for example, my daughter was first grabbed from me at the age of five by my husband who became bipolar, like my mom. And um, I went back and checked the generations. And for four generations, the female child was for some reason or another taken from her mother by the age of five. So happened to my mother. She was passed around from family to family after her mother left an abusive husband. This was in the 20s and moved to New York and took the five-year-old because she couldn't handle both. So that trauma came forward, you know, and I and the same, there was a similar one with her mother. And then it came into my life. I was taken from my parents at the age of six months and sent back when school happened, double trauma. And then from there, oh, dear, it's another anger alert. I don't know how to re- remove that. So let's just send the blast of loving to whatever's going on. Okay. Um, and then my daughter. My daughter was taken from me, you know, at five, and I had to go to court. You know, we had joint custody. But he was he was more powerful, and I was still in my trauma, as he was in his trauma. So when I got curious about that, and I also studied a lot uh, in my doctoral program with things like this, that I always clear people when they come to me with their traumas. The first thing, you know, after I get them to make sure that they're in alignment, et cetera, et cetera, is like, let's take a look and see if there's any generational karma here. And sure enough, this stuff does get passed on. Now, awareness of that doesn't condemn you. It just means, oh, I need to do something to change this. And it can be changed with awareness. And then, for example, if your mother always pointed or your dad pointed their finger, you're a bad girl, right? You're going to do it to your kid. And, and I was just visiting a client in California, a wonderful human being who had her first child. And she said to me, you know, I'm repeating what my mother used to do. And now my daughter's pointing the finger at the dog saying, <laughs> no, 
and she's only 15 months old. And right. my mom goes, I need to shift that. So we do it. It's preservation. And so the preservation is, you know, if a trauma happens and if there's a, a you know, a saber-toothed tiger, is the oldest story in the world, you're going to pass on the fact that saber-toothed tigers are not to play with or water is dangerous. And okay. so when we become okay. aware and we forgive our, our parents for the things that happen to us, it seems impossible. You know, God bless my mom. I called her the most awful names when I ran away. And yet now, having looked at the past, and you can do this internally. You can, you can get really curious. I ask for the highest and best good of love, light, and sound to, to surround me. I'll sit and be still. And then I'll, I'll literally take an elevator downstairs. And I use the colors of the chakra. You know, I go from, from red to white, even though we're going down for this particular one. The other ones we go up. And I invite the parent or the grandparent or the dad or the cousin or whatever the, the, the fear slash trauma is that we're afraid we're going to share. And you invite them into this loving, safe place and have a dialogue. And it, it, it absolutely changes lives, not only in our, in our parenting, but in our relationship to work because we recreate our family of origin in our work. And so that curiosity, and there's no right or wrong way. The way, the way I look at it is as a, as a scientist, and I am a scientist, I look at what the results are of certain actions, and then I, then I, I track it over time. So anything I've done with any person in my life, I have done on myself first. So it's like an alcoholic can help another alcoholic, but if you've never had a drinking problem, you don't know how to go there. So if we have traumas from our, our aunt and uncle, like my aunt and uncle were highly traumatized, you know, and as was my mom, they lived through the depression. So their responses were passed on to us. Just getting mindful, setting an intention, if you could imagine, if, you're, if your loved one is deceased, you could even just have a conversation. Imagine they're sitting next to you. Grandma, can you tell me what your secret pain was that you never shared with anybody? Just imagine it's all made up, but it's not really, because our, our DNA and RNA carries all their trauma. And they'll say, yeah, I regret that I really wanted to go to college, and my parents wouldn't let me because it wasn't for women. You know, what happened to my or, grandmother? Exactly, my mom too. She wanted to work in a, in a florist because she loved as a, you know and just putting arrangements together. My dad forbid her to work outside the home because wow. she was there to take care of four kids. That was her purpose in life. Uh, and God bless her. When he passed away, I was in Taipei, while working out in the park. And I felt my, my dad broke in it, and I knew he was gone. You know, like you just know stuff sometimes. And I said to my classmate, my dad died this morning. He goes, oh, did they call you? I said, no, but I need to call home now. Now, I've been estranged for 17 years, but I went back uh, roughly 34 and made peace with all my relations. Um, and so I called my mom. I said, I said, mom, you know, did dad die? He says, the son of a bitch, it took him long enough. I had 50 years of hell with that man. That was my mom's comment about my dad's death. Okay. <laughs> so you can see there was a lot of animosity. And oh, yeah. my aunt used to say, you can't trust men. All they want to do is get in your pants. This is what oh, I grew boy. up with. From the time I was yep. a little girl. 
So, you know, it's like all these beliefs are passed down generationally. We can change them. Now, one of the things is just to get curious. The second thing is if, if you can talk to them in your mind or put a hand on your heart, because they live in us through our DNA and RNA. We have access to the past, and we can bring the compassion to the little girl that suffered or the little boy or the aunt or the uncle or the mom or the dad, and it doesn't necessarily negate what they've done to us, but it gives us an altitude that allows us to have compassion. And, you know, I've worked with people that have done horrific things, and one of, one of my challenges is I really only see the, the light, the higher, the soul self, for lack of a better word, in people. And it's taken me almost 70 years to understand that people may do heinous things, but internally they are all souls in the body and in, in the light and love of God. And we come down here, and I like to look at life as a game. Spirit, you know, overcoming you know, using spiritual trauma to overcome and develop spiritually is when you can find a compassion for the very person that hurt you. And if you knew their secret pain, I guarantee this because I can see people's secret pain, you would want to take them in your arms and hold them as an infant child who is lost and afraid. And that's how I've worked with pedophiles, people that have been accused of murder, people that have done time felony charges, their their, uh, halfway house people would bring them to see me. And always when they got in touch with who they were, beyond what they did, their healing commenced. And that's what we have to do as mothers, as as aunties, as grandmas, as colleagues at work if someone's having a hard day. Can we find the love that passes understanding and to reach out without our judgment accessing what they're bad or they're this or they're too fat or they're too skinny. That's what I call the negative power. It's a negative polarity. It's not bad. It's installed pre-birth and at birth. And when you start to look at it from a different lens, like, wow, if life is in fact a game, and I look at it as a game because it allows me to be curious. Who are the players? You know, what happens if I roll my dice this way and I get that? And, and so... I began to get curious about why my grandma acted the way she did. Why my aunt was a social drinker. Why my grand, my uncle, I, I used to, he used to give me the heebie-jeebies. Did he actually physically molest me? I don't have a clue. But when my daughter got introduced to them, immediately she called them to the table. And my aunt goes, well, come out and say hello to auntie. She loves the little girls. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> yeah, a little too much. And so oh she would not come out of the table. And when we left, I said, honey, how come you stayed under the table? Because, mommy, I didn't like his energy. She's five years old. Amazing. You know, I said, congratulations. You're a very wise little girl. Well done, yes. honey. Yes. So awesome. Imagine if we taught our That's not that. what most people get. No. Well, because at that point, I had already had martial arts for 20-something years. And I could read the energy. Um, in ways that I taught my daughter to feel the energy. You know, the, the, I believe it's the Quakers or the Amish. I'm pretty sure it's the Quakers. In, in, 100 years ago, they taught their children to see when people lied 
because what was coming out of their mouth would be dark energy. The Native wow. Americans would say they speak with two tongues because they knew their body, they knew their energy, and they knew when something wasn't loving. Imagine if we could teach this to ourselves and pass it on to our kids. So uh-huh. I may not have answered that question completely, but I think the curiosity and looking at what triggers you with your child, you discipline your child not according to your needs, but according to the child's needs, and every child is different. And I think yeah. that's a huge key. I think it's I think it's great that you know the like I said, curiosity is one of my favorite words, um, and and then that compassion piece. And I think that people misunderstand uh, the compassion piece to some degree. Like I think before um, when I was you know going into the compassion compa- or trying to quote unquote go into the compassion space, what was happening was I was not self compassionate first. Um, so I was, you know, oh, God, yeah. trying to forgive this person, and but I didn't have good boundaries back then. So, you know, I couldn't say no to whatever abuse, bullying. Mm-hmm. You know, I like like I could get into that. Luckily, as a sensitive soul, I could dive into their their experience and have the compassion that way. But I didn't have self compassion for myself to have these boundaries to say no. That is not okay. You know, like I you could still have compassion for the person, but still have healthy boundaries and go. You can't. Nope. That doesn't work with me if you treat me this way, you know, or you talk to me that way. And so, absolutely. And you know, Dr. Karen, if I can share how I how I worked to gain compassion, one of the things that I I did because you know the emotional impact of trauma. Let me just say it. And for those that have it, just go, yep, got that one, got that one, got that one. Good, I can release that one, that one, that one. It's fear, anxiety, apprehension, grief, hopelessness, guilt. I, I had all of this. Shame, mood swings, lack of clarity, can't make a decision, hard to trust people, the hypervigilance again. You know, it's just so, so there. Feeling isolated, you know, um, increased need for control. You know, I was an island onto myself. And those, that impact, and it doesn't have to be a big trauma. It doesn't have to be a rape or a kidnapping. You know, it could be something as simple as lump a room when you're four years old. And so what happens is we feel powerless. We don't know how we're going to stop the bullies. I was also bullied until the guy I had a crush on in, in gym was trying to learn judo out of a book, and I had a crush on him. He was my neighbor. I went up to him and I said, would you like me to show you how to do that move? And he goes, you know judo? I said, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I showed him how to do the move, and the Marine Corps gym teacher comes up and says, throw me. Like, you know, a little pompous guy. Forgive me, my judgment. And, you know, because I was a female and this was in the 60s. And so uh, I said, I can't. You don't know how to fall. Because I'm a Marine. Of course I'm not how to fall. So I threw his ass on the mat. He did not expect that. And as a result of that, <laughs> he invited me, unheard of, to give a coaching session to the wrestling team in high school. Me, a girl. Oh, my gosh. Really? That's and awesome. so that was like the coup de grace. Nobody ever messed with me again. And nobody pushed my books out of my hands. Nobody stomped my ten, ten kinds of ink in this big fat pen. So that was the beginning of the releasing myself from that trauma. Fast forward. And, and also I trained myself because I was so shy. Every time I answered the phone, internally I would say, God bless you. 
And I wasn't raised particularly religious, Presbyterian and Dutch reform. But that was my antidote to putting a barrier between me and this scary person on the other side. It became a habit. And then I would say thank you before I even called them. It was the way, it's the way that I overcame my challenges. And then somebody told me, well, you know, put, put them in a bathrobe when you're talking to them. And, and you can see them dressed down. They're not as scary on the other side. So I started going, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then I started going, God bless you. And then I added, God bless you, I love you. And then I added, God bless you, I love you, peace be still. John Roger taught me that. And so when I was, when I finished, the day I finished my doctoral dissertation slash treatise, um, it was about trauma, that's my specialty. So I decided to take a walk to the bank and to Trader Joe's. And I put my camera in my side pocket and I go to Trader Joe's and I buy bananas and I go to the bank. And on the way home in Culver City, wonderful place in town, I crossed the street, and there two people walking towards me, and every hair on my body went on end. There's the beauty of paying attention to your body. I didn't want to turn my back on these two people. Right. So basically, I stepped off the sidewalk, and I gave them wide berth. And just as I did, one of them was a woman. She said something about hi, and I reflectively said hi. And then she goes, turn around, bitch. And she had a gun at my head. Now, what, what I did, and I've told this story other places, but it's so germane here. Uh, in that context, I asked spirit, because by then I'd been doing martial arts at least 40 years, and I'd already disarmed somebody with a gun in France. So I said internally, this is where you have to have your connection to, to your soul self, your higher self. I said, is it real? Is it loaded? Do I mess? And time does stop. I heard it's real. It's loaded. No, don't mess. So I gave them my purse, which happened to have my wedding pictures in it. I had just gotten developed, and so uh, my humanness kicked in, and I chased them down the alley and threw my bag of bananas at them, which, of course, is how I played golf. It all went to the, sliced it to the right. And then so I stopped. and said, I, I had this manual thought, I am greeting violence with violence. And I shouted out after these two characters, God bless you both. I know you need help. And then I ran to the corner and dialed 911. The long and the short of it is they cordoned off a six-block area with crime scene tape. They were checking trunks in cars. And about two hours later, oh, and they had a helicopter SWAT team and canine. It's wow, you have that much clout? Not for, not for purse snatching. But the clout was there was somebody graffitied my apartment building. And I said, you know what? I'd really like that to be handled. I don't like that gang influence here. So within a week, I'm robbed at gunpoint. There were two loaded guns and four people, and it was a gang thing. So when they caught the people, and, and, and the lady had been murdered two weeks earlier by a gang, allegedly. So I, every time they look for the victim, I'm thinking, I'm not a victim. Where's the victim? I'm the only one street clothes. But they can't find the victim because I no longer had victim consciousness. When they took the two of them out of the car, I looked, I walked away with the detective, and I said, I can't possibly ID the woman taller. And that woman, yeah, she had on a blue sweatsuit, but there's a lot of blue sweatsuits, but hers was clean. He goes, well, ma'am, we found her under a car in a puddle of grease. We got three of the four perpetrators, and um, you really don't need to say and identify them. I said, why not? He goes, ma'am, did you really say God bless you to them? I said, yes. He said, he shakes his head and he goes, 
They confessed already. So that's the power of love over wow. habituated response. Now, mind you, that was not like uh, an isolated event. I had spent decades working on being in equanimity, being in trusting the inner voice, and my my apartment building stopped being graffiti because they actually took them to the gang headquarter. So when I went to get my purse the next day, the, the cop in front of the station, I said, I'm, I'm here to pick up my purse from the robbing on Culver and Maine. And he goes, are you the lady to say God bless you? I said, yeah. He goes, wait a second. He goes in the back, he brings every cop in the back out and says, this is a crazy lady that said God bless you to those people. And I said, but it worked, didn't it? <laughs> and, and so that's the journey. That's the journey. And I prayed for that woman for at least three years. She was 17. She was out on probation. You know, one day, one of them was 14, 21, and it's the fourth wow. one got away. But the, the point of that story is that in any event, when we start to connect and we, we look at our traumas, no matter big or small, as opportunities, I went from being a bullied kid to someone who could stand in the face of a gun at my head while they're cursing up a storm at me and be neutral. And then say, God bless you, as soon as my humanness got out of the way. So what we're doing is building muscles, muscles to be kinder mothers, kinder to ourselves. You said it. And if there's one thing I want your listeners to remember is that if you're not kind to yourself, life will not be kind to you. You will be unkind to others because everybody is an absolute mirror of a part of you that you've either accepted or rejected. In the holograph of the quantum field, we're all one. And so when our kids do stuff we don't like, if we pause and not do, you know, get out the belt like we were belted, and we say, honey, what's going on? And actually talk to your child as as an adult, because kids may be in little bodies, but they're also their souls having a human experience. And so that brings us to the place of a spiritual pathway, because I know fundamentally that woman's life was changed because I put a focus of loving and compassion on her for three years. And when we do that for ourselves, if we find the age, like I'm going to invite every listener on this call, just as a curious experiment, close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that, and just say, is there something from birth to 10? Take your head yes or no. Okay, there's something from birth to 10 for me. Okay. One, two, three, four. I get to ten. My head goes 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 up. Okay, that's really serious. I'm going to put some love on the ten-year-old me. And sometimes that's enough to allow that part of you that's been frozen in time to all of a sudden come alive. You know, it's like the hundred-year cactus that blooms every hundred years. You don't have to wait a hundred years. You know, you've waited long enough to say, "I'm putting loving on the part inside of me that hurts." And that action is the action of a creator of your own life. Mm. Yeah, that's really resonating with me. So so much of the time we're, we're hard on ourselves because, like, our intellect is saying, oh, you know better than to do that, or you should be kinder, more compassionate, or whatever. But you just, just feel like breaking down and crying and complaining that day, you know? <laughs> so yep. that's us. Yeah, being... Being able to and some days the crying is good. 
Mm. We're not supposed to be perfect. Only dead things are perfect because we make them so. <laughs> you know, and and, yeah. and and you know, artwork helps when you're dealing with trauma as a spiritual pathway. I was I was on the board of a nonprofit that used art to heal uh, battered women and children, domestic violence, and then later on, vets with post-traumatic stress. And if you just have something in your life, or even your child has been bullied, you know, get out some paper. If you've got magic markers or crayons or pencils, just put it outside of you. It's an act of loving to put it out here so you can be objective at it. Just wow. And then you turn the paper over and with your non-dominant hand, you write what the picture's trying to tell you. And I'd love to end, if I could, with a story that touched me so, so very deeply when I was part of the uh, nonprofit. I'm on to other things now when I moved, but I was with them 19 years in board chair for, for 10 we had a little boy who was so violent in the halfway house in the shelter that he really wasn't allowed into, you know, like he wouldn't do anything. He was always getting in trouble. He would, was noncompliant. Just a really messed up little boy. And so finally, you know, they have to go to two hours a week of art. And the parameters are really exquisite because kids that come out of an abusive um, place, then they go to a shelter that's very, you know, very rigid. And they don't have a, a means of outlet in order to, to mother. So we had a particular particular workshop called the Monster in Me. And I encourage anybody who's been traumatized to just do this workshop. It's not about art. It's not about being an artist. It's about letting your unconscious speak. So this seven-year-old boy was really violent. And, you know, he didn't want to do anything. He was, you know, was cutting up. And she said, you can do anything. You can sit in the corner. You can sleep. The only thing you have to do is stay in this room for two hours. That you can do whatever you want. And he finally, he got in, 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 engrossed in this monster exercise. And what he drew was an earless monster. It was a triangle. The triangle had it for its head a little bit of curly hair, maybe two strands. Then he had eyes, a nose, and a mouth. And after the program was over, she said to this little boy, who got very engrossed in it, what, what did you learn from your monster? I'm going to cry probably saying it. He goes, I, my monster didn't know how angry he was because he couldn't hear. And that one workshop turned that child around. He became a mentor and a model for all the selfish kids to express their feelings. And when the new ones came in, he would say, oh, I can see you have a monster and you need to do the monster and new workshop. You'll feel much better. <laughs> That's brilliant. And that little boy. Oh. And, and so just doing an art project. I've done projects where I've taken big pieces of paper, put them on a, a you know, four-by-eight piece of plywood, nail up the stuff, and throw paint. And then I would use the brushes from the backyard to do things, and I'd put rose petals on it. And I made this whole Picasso kind of painting, and I, I put overcoming chaos. That was the things I wrote. And I could see my spine. It was like a back view. And out of it emerged a spine with what looked like buttocks and circles. And then it was all the chaos in my life. And that also helped me. And it's so simple, you know. And, and you know, the thing about our job, as it were, to help us help children and one another is to understand that for boys that are incarcerated, 
just as an example, and this data is now probably five or six years old, but 62% of little boys aged 11 to 20 who murder someone kill the man abusing their mother. Now, that's a hefty, hefty thing. And when we look at women that murder their spouses, generally it has to do with domestic violence. So when we make peace with ourselves, we are ceasing the domestic violence against ourselves. And every time one person is kind to themselves, the likelihood of being kind to others and touching the world, like one candle lights a candle, two, eight, four, eight, fifteen. And that's that's why I do this work. If one person can fall in love with themselves and take their trauma and use it, use it to grow, use it to challenge themselves, use it to find a resiliency that allows them to survive the trauma, we're well on the way to a world of peace. Wow, that is beautiful. Thank you for saying that. The stories are amazing. Um, I'd like to get to some of the phone lines if anybody uh, you know, wants to chat with you. I think this is a great opportunity. And before we do that, um, I know that um, uh, we're posting there's a free gift that you have, so can you please share with us what that is? Um, yeah. Are you living it, your best life? It's a- it's um it's called Living Your Best Life. It was a spontaneously done um, recording for a Greek man that wanted to ask me some questions who happened to videograph it. And um, what it is is 10 minutes or less, because I don't know about you, but with today's world especially, I don't want to sit in front of a computer with Zoom for an hour <laughs> necessarily, unless it's really good. And yeah. so I made it 10 minutes. It's like maybe a okay. minute or, you know, I answer the guy's question. And then they build on one another. There's a process in there called free-form writing, which is transformative. It allows you to access your unconscious in such a safe way that you're writing what you're thinking for 20 minutes is ideal without judgment. And at the top of the page, I put for the highest good of all concerns, like a Google parameter. And then I just put my, I light a candle, and I just write for 20 minutes. Now, I may write the same thing. Green eggs and ham, green eggs and ham. I hate my life, I hate my life, I hate blah, 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 whatever it is. But as soon as your thoughts change, you write your thinking. And and then it's like boring into your unconscious. And out of that comes some tears and awarenesses. And life is about awareness, acceptance, taking really? action, and, and being in the loving place that you can hold a space with someone who's having a bad day. Doesn't mean you have to hang out with them but you can send them light and love. <laughs> right. Like we don't have to force ourselves to be, I'm a good person. I've got to like this person, even though they're really being mean to me. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I, I want to share, everyone, um, I pretty linked uh, the link to uh, Dr. Lynn's amazing free gift, uh, Are You Living Your Best Life? So it's a 10-minute-a-day deep dive into great awareness and effective ways to deal with stress and whatever else is going on. So for folks listening in, it's uh, karencan.com forward slash best life, all one word, best life. So karencan.com forward slash best life. We'll also, um, after the call, connect the this link to the event pages and our social media pages. So if for whatever reason, you know, you just want to go real quick there and don't remember the pretty link, I'll put that there a little later. Um, and if you would like to speak with Dr. Lynn right now, the number to call in is 818-514-1190. Hit 1 
So we know your hand is up if you'd like a little bit of uh, mini coaching here. So it's 818-514-1190 and hit 1. And also, if you are on the chat, you can also post a question on the chat in case you're long distance and you don't want to use the phone. Um, so, Dr. Lynn, we have a couple of people with their with their hands up. Are we all set mm-hmm. to take questions? Oh, sure. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> yep. Thank you so much. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to unmute the first person, and I'm going to say your area code uh, that I see online here, and then you can introduce just your first name, um, and then let us know what you'd like to share. So again, here we go. So I'm unmuting area code 320. Hi. Dr. Hi. Karen. Hi. Yes. Hello. And, and Dr. Lynn. Um, <laughs> I, I know your voice. I you. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to tell you that this has just been an awesome call. I guess for me, I think that probably at the root of my a lot of my issues. But growing up, I didn't necessarily think I had a lot of traumas, but I understand what Dr. Lynn said. And so right now I'm kind of back into in the uterine type stage. It seems mm-hmm. like I, all these puzzles are coming through connected to water. Water has a significance in it. And um, so I'm definitely probably going to have to buy your book so I can use some of your practices. But I didn't know if you had any other suggestions. Well, were, was there difficulty that you know of with your parents while you were being carried to term? Um, yes. My mother and and mom and dad were going through a divorce, and Mm -hmm. I had addressed that a number of times, but there must be something that I'm missing with it. So I'm just kind of Mm -hmm. working through different emotions connected to it, and um, I do tapping for it. Um, Awesome. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of been my process, and... And right now I, I'm I'm at that unsafe emotion. And I'm actually in past lives that I'm working on. But I think a lot of us as light being star seeds, when we incarnate in this life, you know, we're coming from love and light and mm-hmm. if my mother was going through all this trauma when she was carrying me, mm-hmm. I took all that on. Mm-hmm. And That's uh, it's, it's just a journey to clear. Uh, okay, well, would you like to do some of that now? We can do it pretty quickly, and then what you can do is you can complete the process because now you know how to do it. Well, that would and be awesome. What I would, say, what I would say to everybody and all the listeners, don't believe what I say. Don't disbelieve what I say, but see if you have a result at the end. And then if you write down the blessing and the awareness, you can anchor it in so you don't just forget it. So do I have permission to access you, your consciousness? Could you just yes. give me your first name? Lois. Uh-huh. Okay, Lois, and it's 320, correct? So we're going to do Lois in 320. Correct. So let's see here. So I have a, I have permission to access, correct? I just want to double check. Yes. Look at look at your consciousness. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So the first thing I saw is tremendous amounts of grief at being on Earth. 
And you did choose your parents for that experience. And yes, it's accurate that you're starseed. You're one of the early responders, I would imagine. And um, this grief is, if, if I could just, my words lie, because you can't translate spirit into English, frankly. But there were times when, um, I feel high is good. Well, let's just say you've had many lifetimes of great loss. And um, you came in here as to, to assume this form so that you can clear this, so that now your beingness will be free to experience and explore all of the ramifications of being human. And this journey for you has been one of laying to rest and bring to peace the whole concept of trauma. Does that make sense to you at all? Yes, it does. And I have been told um, that I have much trauma that needs to be oh, cleared. Oh, that's an understatement, girlfriend. That's an understatement. <laughs> so the thing about trauma is that it becomes, uh, it's just a file. I just like to call it a file in your subconscious, unconscious, subconscious. It doesn't matter where it is. Your Your conscious mind knows where that is, okay? So the simplest way that we can do this on the air, that you can start and then complete, is I release trauma number one, I release trauma number two, I release trauma number three, because you've done so much trauma work, you get to have the courtesy and the blessing of doing this. So say that with me. I release trauma number one. I release trauma number one. I release trauma number two. I release trauma number two. I release trauma number three. I release trauma number three. Now, when you do this work, this is for everybody else who wants to do this, you may find that as you count, you get choked up, it gets heavy, you forget that six comes after five, you might even want to throw up, but if you continue counting until it shifts, there will be a lightness that comes. So let's just do a little bit here and see if we can model this for other listeners. So number four, five, six, and just count now. Four, and we, and five, so we can track it. Uh huh. Six, six. Yep. Keep going. Seven, eight. Uh huh. Nine, ten, mm-hmm. eleven. Yep. And if it gets heavy, you can go twelve A, twelve B. Chunk it down. There's no need to suffer. Twelve A, twelve B, twelve C. Just do it till it gets easier. Twelve A. 12B, uh-huh. 12C, 12D, uh-huh. 12E, 12F, yeah, as long as it takes. Mm-hmm. 12G, 12H, 12I, 12J, 12K, 12L, 12M, 12M. 12O, uh-huh. 12P, uh-huh. 12Q, 12R, 12S, 12T, 12W, 12X, 12Y, 12Z. Now, can you get to 13 now? 13, yes. Yeah, 14. 
18, 19, 20, Good. 21, 22, 23, 24, mm-hmm. 25, 26, 27, yeah, 28, 29, 30, 31, uh-huh. 32, 33, yep. 34, 35, yep. 36, 37, 38, 39, yeah, it's getting a little lighter, isn't it? Keep going. Yes, it is. We're going to go look and, 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 We're going to go look just got mega shivers. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, just keep 41, going. You're, on, you're doing a good job. 57, 
No wonder I they haven't felt just, good. Yeah, so now we say, I release, I release, I release. And you can you can sing around the house today. I release, 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 I release. And then you start, if you have a journal, you journal all the blessings and what you experienced. And then from that new neural pathway, you can build more and more about the freedom from trauma and less and less about reliving the old stuff. And we don't know a lot of stuff. I thought I had a great childhood until I started, I ran away at 17 and realized I didn't have any memories to speak of. So this is, a, this is permanent, at least the way I've experienced it with my clients, and that if something comes up, you release it. I release anger number one, I release anger number two. There's other ways to do it, but for those of you on the call that have done a lot of work, this will just perfectly segue and again, you may count to 100 have nothing, just keep counting, or you go, that was a failed experiment, and find another way to do it. Because we all are spiritual scientists. We're all here to learn about what makes us tick, what sets us off. So I really want to thank you for your courage in doing this today. And um, well, I'm just going to ask you to, just be, to finish up. Just tap your forehead for everything that you did with me today. And you know how you have a touchstone computer and there's a control alternate delete button if it gets frozen? Just yeah. tap your forehead, bring your forehead, bring your fingers down to the tip of your nose, which represents going to your unconscious. Trace your fingers back to your forehead, which represents your ego, and flick it to the ceiling, which is giving it to spirit, God, all of rest, doesn't matter what it's called. Okay? And now let's just okay. put a hand on your forehead for a second. And it's Lois and Lynn, and we ask for a disconnection of our energy. We ask this now for a disconnection and a clearing, a cleansing, a healing, healing, completion, and spiritualizing on all levels of consciousness, both known and unknown, that we address today. We are so grateful for the gift of breath and life and the willingness to do that gave her the, the ability to clear this trauma, and we give our thanks, and so it is. There you go. You're cooked, my friend. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. You're welcome. Awesome. Thank you for your courageousness. Thanks, Lois. Thank you. Well, I have to say, Lois is one of the most courageous people that I know. So <laughs> you you pegged that oh, right. Oh, I could tell. Dr. Lynn. Yeah, Lois, yeah. She's doing some amazing work for the collective. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, so, so we did give out the... Um, the URL for the free gift, uh, which is at KarenCan.com forward slash best life, which is all one word. Perfect. And then that's the Living Your Best Life 10 Minutes a Day Transformational Course. And then, um, Dr. Lynn, your website is DrLynnMorell.com, which is D-R-L-I-N-M-O-R-E-L.com. And uh, the book mm-hmm. is called Beyond Lovelyville, which is a great name, A Parable of Self-Awareness and Rising Above Trauma. So, and can you tell us a little bit about uh, when when that's coming out? Oh, that that's or, out. It was a bestseller on Amazon. Oh, and great! It is okay, actually it's a pre-order in a, here, so in I wasn't a, yeah. sure. Oh, that that pre-order sign. I didn't know how to get it off. I forgive me. Um, <laughs> yes, it is oh, out. It's available on Amazon, and it's it's truly through the eyes of the characters in the book how they become self-aware and rise above their trauma to to healing. And um, and then the other book is Soul Lift. That one's out as well, like a facelift, but a soul lift. And that's soul very lift. helpful. Ooh, for people. that's cool. Love the name. Yeah, and the sub 
The subtitle is From Bumps to Brilliance, and they're real-life stories from real-life people. Almost all of them wanted their name used. And there's one where wow. I combined several people, but it's, it's accurate. And it starts with my red Chevy van, and I almost ran him over. And the incident that could have taken his life gave him a wife and me a man to treasure. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, it, and it's how to overcome the bumps. Oh, that's and I, I want to say one thing about think, Thinkific. Something wasn't working yesterday, so my VA's on it today. So if it, if you can't get signed up, don't give up. They're working on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, that's great. Break Thank and you. Find okay, now we have another question here for the, the next uh-huh. little minute. But we have um, area code 813. I'm unmuting you now. Area code 813. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Lil. Hi, Dr. Karen, and hi, Dr. Hey, Lil. Hey, yes. I'm so excited. Nice to meet you. Um, Yes, nice to meet you both. I did the 320 lowest, and my question for you, because it was really amazing, is is there ever some reason that a trauma would be advantageous to keep in this lifetime as as a beacon to say that you can you can live with anything and everything and still succeed i'm just i'm trying to wrap my mind around is there ever a reason and I'm thinking back to Stephen Hawkins, who was in the chair and just passed away, uh-huh. I don't know if it was a year or two ago. Yep. Is it because he chose not to release the traumas that would have placed him in that chair? Or is there a possible reason that you can do all this healing, releasing, to get to your core, authentic self? And I believe I've done quite a bit of that, but I'm wondering because mm-hmm. this is something that has been gnawing at the back of my mind and now is front and center listening to this call. Is there a reason that you would desire or that your higher self would say, you know, you signed up for this, just hang in there, okay? You can do this, you can show people that you can live your best life and that no matter what's going on with the body, it's simply not an impediment unless you make it so. That's my question, because this has been something that has been knowing at me for quite a bit of decades. It's a a really, really great question. Thank you for asking it. It's also, from where I'm sitting, kind of multidimensional and multi-level. So take what fits and leave the rest, okay? This is my experience. And my experience doesn't have to be yours. But I mentioned earlier that there's a negative polarity and a positive polarity. And it's not bad. And dark is not bad. And light is not bad. They're just different. Right. and, And the word karma simply means expansion or contraction. So the universe expands and contracts. Our, our breathing, we expand and contract. The muscles expand and contract. So it's it's a, a, a natural aspect of life on this planet. So okay. <laughs> I have worked, but with only people. in this dimension or in all dimensions. No, probably question. every dimension. I'm just addressing okay. this dimension. We bring in things from other dimensions. 
you know, there's there's quite a few dimensions that I work with that are not on the human, the, like the, the normal physical, emotional, mental, conscious, unconscious, etc. There are other dimensions that are simultaneously occurring. Now, okay. I'm going to give you a story about uh, a friend of mine, a very, very dear friend of mine, who suffered with a congenital birth defect. And okay. um, <clears throat> he, he, he spent years in a body cast. They broke all his bones by the time he was 21. He'd had multiple surgeries, three years in the body cast. And um, his brother, who was his protector, died killed by a drunk driver. When he was a young man, when that happened, he was already pretty much guaranteed to be a drug addict because he lived on Demerol through his childhood with all the surgeries. Oh, so my gosh. Okay. He had an epiphany. Like, he couldn't get a job because of his birth defect. People assume if you have a birth defect, you're dumb. Not so. And why do people have birth defects? We we can't know. Well, we can know in some cases, but we make up things about why people are being punished for a birth defect, for example, or why this or why that. So this particular yeah, person. Yeah, beyond the punishment. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. So he chose this. He chose it. Yes. And exactly. he's the only person in his family with that condition. Now, he, he, he railed against it. He was ridiculed, couldn't get a job. They thought he was dumb. He had to work in a candle factory. The guy was a genius. And mm-hmm. when the time came for him to shift trajectories, like he's on a train track going one way, he had an that He went back to school. He got a master's in divinity. He became a chaplain in a hospital. And his handicap blessed every person that was in pain and suffering, either disfigured or cancer, and he would walk in, and they would calm down, and they would heal. Sometimes heal Oh, my God. I just felt that, like I was with that person. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Go ahead, continue. Yep, so he's there to help you. He's He's still around. And then the other story, also a person with the same condition, became an artist for my book. And when I first met her, I was doing groups all over the country where I'd be invited to speak and, you know, conferences and all that. So I was at this this meeting, and um, I opened the door, and I looked down, and there was a person of small statue who was about three foot nine. So I got on my knees, and I gave her a hug. I said, welcome. So she came to work with me at my retreat center. And Uh we got to the point where... She was laughing. I said, why do you think, you know, why do you think you came in this way? Everybody in your family. And she had a twin who was also a person with a small statue. At least I think they were twins. <laughs> and and um, so, you know, it's like, it, it isn't 40 years ago. So, you know, anyway, the long story short, I said, why do you think God sent you down here? She goes, I'll tell you why he sent me down there. I was in an intergalactic space car, space bar. God dropped in. He said, I got an assignment for you. Really? God got me drunk. I, it, you're going to have to go and you're going to be in a body, you're going to be ostracized, ridiculed, and you're going to be very, 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 very different. Are you up for it? Oh, yeah, sure I am. Bonk, <laughs> sure, sign me up. <laughs> this, is, well, this is her story. This is how she modified it. She was, was an extraordinary artist. She did the art in my first book. Exquisite art. And so two people of similar condition, very different trajectories, right? And so... That's one example. Then there are people who just love, 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 love. One of my colleagues, I, I, I 
partnered with her unofficially in her practice as a healthcare practitioner. And we were so close energetically that she'd be sitting with a patient and say, you know, Lynn's going to come any minute because you need to work with her, not me. And, of course, they'd walk through the door. And the woman would say, how did you know she didn't call you? I said, she didn't have to. I just decided to drop in. And so <laughs> she was incredibly loving, helped everybody, and died of cancer. And people say, that's not fair. And right, yet the right. truth is, life is what life is. And we pick our, our beginning, our middle, our end, and everything in between. Some that's people what I go believe. with their condition so through all of life. And at some solic level, there's something for them to learn. It's all about awareness. And other people, you know, they, like, I, I mean, this is going to sound bizarre, but I broke a leg. And I knew the lady that wrote the Aborigine book. And in the book, the guy breaks his leg the next day he's walking. I was healing my mother issue, believe it or not, like 50 uh-huh. years after I'm still working on it. I got on my knees and I said, you know, God, I have done everything in my ability to heal my mother wound. Like consciously I had, but internally I hadn't. And I knew that much. I said, I really would like an intervention, God. The next day, a woman that used to work for me, mother stand-in, shows up. Let's let's go let's go to the beach. Now I had Lyme disease at the time, and I could right. barely walk. I had neuropathy, but I was having a mm-hmm. good day, and I only lived like six blocks or less from the beach. So we walked to the beach, and I said to her, "Oh man, what I'd love to go to Fig Tree Cafe, but there's no way." And I said, "But I could try to walk, knowing full well it was ludicrous." So she goes, "Well, I work with these people here on the beach. We'll go borrow two of their bikes." So we borrowed the bike. Long story short, a little kid cuts in front of me. I fall off my bike, I break my leg, I, I crack my my um, ulna, and I dislocate my thumb. Now, you'd think I would be moaning and groaning, but in my mind, I knew it was the answer to my prayer. I just didn't know how or why. So I sat no, there, I cracked jokes. I, I accepted it, and I immediately went to work healing it. And because I've had so much practice, like heal or heal thyself, so I was right. able to get up and, and bike the rest of the way. It was a spiral thing. It blew up to be the size of a basketball. My my friend that died of cancer, she couldn't treat me, but her assistant did. And for three days, I did something called Skanar and forgiveness. I went to see my Lyme doctor on, on Monday, which is three days later. He says, how are you doing? I said, I cleared my mother issue. He goes, well, that's cleared. He was also a very aware spiritual man. And then I said, um, he goes, put on a gown. I'll look at your leg. He looks and he goes, oh, my God, you've broken your femur. I said, you can tell without an x-ray. He goes, absolutely. He goes, let me treat you. He goes, are you allergic to bees? I said, I don't think so. My mother was definitely allergic to bees. So he comes out with a cage of bees. I think he's going to give me a homeopathic mini dose. He stings me with a bee. And then he wow. proceeded to sting me at the base of my neck, which levitated me right off the table with a yelp. And within moments, the blood, which had pooled from the break, started to go away. Wow. And I never got wow. tested. Nothing happened. The healing, the only time my leg hurt is if I judge anybody. I have a judgment <laughs> meter installed. That's a nice reminder <laughs> and and that's my reframe and one of my colleagues was the board I, I was on a, another board where my colleague was an MD was the board chair and I said Phil I broke my leg he goes don't be ridiculous she couldn't stand on it I said well I'm going to the doctor tomorrow I'll let you know and so lo and behold 
you know? He said, only you, Lynn. Only you could do that. I said, no, Phil, you can do this. And he's become a convert. He calls me when he needs challenges, has to meet challenges. We're all mystics in training. And some of us want the curriculum. Others are unwilling to give up their trauma because they don't have to do the work. They can just complain. Other people complain, but they're also, that's part of their process. So if there's 7 billion plus people, there's 7 billion ways to gain awareness. And only the soul is privy to that. Unless, of course, it makes it known to us. I've overcome lots of stuff. I, I worked once with a Nigerian witch doctor who was at the church that I was attending. I, I went to visit in Rochester. And, and after his, his sermon, he, he sat down and he looked at me and goes, you should be dead. And I said, yeah, I know that. He goes, no, no, you should be dead. I said, I understand that. And like it was something I didn't know. And then finally he started throwing the cowy beans, however he did divine things. And he goes, the creator saved you to touch millions of lives, but you should have been dead. I said, I know that. I had, I don't call them near death. I, I, I call them near life. Whether oh, I was on I, like that. Not, I have experiences of being held by, I call it the Christ, non-religious, but the Christ is teacher. I have experiences where I've been so far out of my body that I didn't want to come out back, kind of like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. He traveled world mm-hmm. to that end. I, I passed out and drowned in a jacuzzi, and people gave me resuscitation. And so, Great. I just want to let know, people so, know that uh, for those that are calling in, the the uh, the cast is going to end in about 20 seconds. So if you want to continue yep, the conversation, exactly. um, oh, sorry, the people that are online, um, it'll cut off. But uh, people that are on the phone, if you want to continue, um, it'll you'll still be able to hear us for a little bit longer. And, okay. And I think the bottom line to your question, Lou, is that every soul has its own unique curriculum, and we participate with our own. We heal even if it's not physically. We deal with it. And when we're unwilling, we get to recycle in another iteration to have more lessons. And thank you for being asking such a rich question. And I That's hope my little story question. has been perspective. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Definitely interested in your work. And <laughs> Dr. Karen, you have the most amazing guests. And I do. yourself. <laughs> yes, you really do. It's a joy to be oh, thank you. Thanks for being here. Great yes, question. I loved it. All right. You're welcome. Fantastic. Uh, let me just check the chat, Dr. Lynn. Uh, no questions there. Um, but, uh, oh, guess this has been so fun, Dr. Lynn, having you on the show. And uh, I just posted the a link to Soul Lifts as well as the freebie on um, social media, MeWe, Telegram, and uh, Facebook so far. So if folks want to just check out the, the little blurb that we had uh, with the show, you'll see our pictures. Uh, it's right underneath there on, under the comments. Um, any last uh, words of wisdom, Dr. Lim, before we end for today? I would just say be gentle. Speak kind words to yourself. Remember that a sorrow shared is halved and a joy shared is doubled. That's a Swedish proverb that I love. And I just thank everybody for listening and being here. And a really quick little plug, I have a book called Love You coming out probably the end of July. It's the love's letters between my husband who passed away and myself. Aw. Aw. That was sweet. Thank you. I know. It's a tearjerker and it's lovely. Anyway, I want to thank you for having me on the 
shut and a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure, too. Yeah, so fantastic. And for folks listening in, if you're listening on the replay, um, again, the the pretty link to the free gift from Dr. Lynn Morell is at KarenCan.com forward slash best life. And you can check on Amazon and other book places for her books. Uh, one is called Soul Lifts from Bumps to Brilliance. And then you can see the other ones also on her website as well. And then the one coming out later this year. So thanks, everyone, for listening in. Thank you, Dr. Lynn. Take care. Lots You're of welcome, love. Dr. Karen. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.